0: What's up, men of Harvest? It's great to be back with you as we continue through our study in the Sermon on the Mount, really focusing on Matthew 5. And so our focus in this podcast is going to be verses 10 through 12, uh, which read this, "'Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad.'" For your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Here in these verses, Jesus gives us the eighth blessed statement. And with it comes the ninth, which is a longer description of what the disciples are to expect. These two statements highlight the heavy subject of Christian suffering and persecution. This topic is not a popular one to talk about, obviously. And true that it might be, talking about Christian suffering and persecution is important, especially when we look into our world of Christianity and see that in recent times it's escalated and also that our church is under attack. Not only is this topic relevant in our culture, but also we see that it's a vital component to comprehend in the gospel as we see righteous suffering and oppression being a part of God's redemptive plan. See, suffering was not just a byproduct of Jesus preaching the kingdom of heaven. It was the very vehicle in which salvation would become available to sinners. Jesus knew the Father's mission entailed great suffering, even leading him to eventually be crucified on a cross. But he also knew this, that enduring through betrayal and persecution, there was awaiting for him glory. Thorns before the throne, the cross before the crown, rejection before ultimate redemption. Therefore, we too must understand that suffering and persecution is part of the Christian life. Again, Jesus says in verse 10, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now again, as Westerners, it is tough for us to wrap our minds around God's intention for Christian suffering. For mostly, we, we hear of gospels or a different kind of gospel that really just promises good health, success in the world, and maybe five to ten ways that we can better be Christian. Perhaps some of us even came to Christ because we desired a better life, where suffering was minimal. I know when I got saved, these were some of the thoughts that I first had when I believed. Now, I'm not suggesting that God doesn't want us to prosper in this life, but what I am saying is this, that the Christian life is not a road of least resistance. In fact, we are expected to go through hardships when following Jesus. I've heard it said before, whomever the Lord has adopted and deemed worthy of his fellowship ought to prepare themselves for a hard, toilsome, and unquiet life crammed with very many and various kinds of evil. To the first century Christian, opposition and persecution was essential to living worthy of the gospel. Most of their suffering came from the local government, which was Rome, and other groups of religion as they followed and believed in Jesus. It was in this cultural temperature that the early church was birthed, and opposition and persecution became the very channel that spread the gospel throughout the world. So much so, uh, an early church father by Tertullian, Uh, he said this famously, the blood of martyrs is the seed of the church. Not only do we see this reality throughout the centuries of church history, but we also recognize that much of the New Testament is written within the context of persecution. Now, in our study through the Beatitudes, I want this podcast to be of great help. So, in the remainder of our time together, I I want us to dissect the text and make helpful application. So, one of these applications is the reality, what Jesus is making clear, that our suffering is a blessing when it's for righteousness' sake. What he means by this is that we can't label all suffering kingdom suffering. Many times, people try to say they are being persecuted for Jesus, when in reality, they are dealing with the consequences of their sin, or just unwise choices. Case in point, some claim that they are being persecuted persecuted by their boss because all they want to do at work is evangelize their co-workers and take long breaks to pray in their car. Now, obviously, Christians should want to witness to their co-workers and see their jobs as a place of ministry. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. However, if they are lousy workers, never getting the job done, or over-spiritualizing things, they, they can really not be facing opposition for their faith, but opposition for their bad choices. Because honestly, from an employer's standpoint, they're not being hard-pressed because of their evangelism, but rather because of their failure to perform at work. And in doing so, what ends up happening is that they become bad witnesses of the gospel in their workplace. So instead, the Christian is to, what, work hard and be diligent as employees to ensure that what they are facing is not in response of their own sin or bad conduct. One of the places that we hear this echoed in the New Testament is in 1 Peter chapter 2 in verse 20 and 21. The apostle writes this, What credit is it if, when you sin and are being for it, but if when you do and suffer for it you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God? It is here, both in 1 Peter and in the Beatitudes, we learn something wonderful, that when we suffer for good or righteousness' sake— There is a reward. In both passages, we see that there's a heavenly reward, one of grace and one of salvation. Now, what this does is that it gives hope to those who are facing great opposition by declaring there is an eternal reward. So, in some sense, you might never give a promotion or a reward for doing right at your work, but Jesus says there is a reward to all who live kingdom minded. This mindset is indeed practicing the way of Jesus. Looking at verses 11 through 12, Jesus shifts his pronouncement of the kingdom to instructions for his disciples. He says, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evils against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. In these words, Jesus is preparing his disciples for what is coming, allowing them to remain hopeful and blessed, knowing that while these things may happen, theirs is the kingdom of God. As Christians, we are called to be like Jesus, and the harsh reality is that we might face opposition as we carry our cross daily. However, we are not left without an example. Not only do we gain insight from the former prophets, but we also look to the fulfillment of the greatest prophet, who is Jesus. In 1 Peter 2.21, the scriptures say, Jesus has left us an example so that we might follow in his footsteps. 1 Peter 2.23 says, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued to entrust himself to him who judges justly. Jesus did not retaliate, nor did he commit sin. Rather, as it is said, he stayed focused and entrusted himself to the Father. We too can entrust ourselves to God's plan for our lives, knowing that in the end he will vindicate us, making all wrongs right. What is further realized in suffering is the kingdom's present reality. God is not at a distance in suffering, but has come near. Later in Peter's letter, in 1 Peter four thirteen through nineteen, the apostle writes this. He says, "Rejoice in so far as you share Christ's suffering, that you may also rejoice and be glad when His glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or a meddler." Yet, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. Verse 19 Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful Creator while doing good. Here, Peter encourages God's beloved people to endure through suffering, knowing their faith will grow and God will receive glory for what they endure. For just as Christ's suffering revealed the glory of God, so the Christian suffering reveals the glory of Christ. We can rejoice. We can be glad knowing that he is being radiated through it all. In the book of Acts, it was not too long after the day of Pentecost that the early church began to face persecution by the Sanhedrin. In response to the persecution, the word of God tells us in Acts 5.41 that they rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. The apostles did not bicker. They did not grumble. they, they, They didn't worry on what was happening, but they realized it was honorable because it meant that they belonged to Jesus. They lived under his name, under his banner. However, let us not miss the point here of the text as well there is a unique blessing. And the Word of God says that when the Christian suffers unjustly, they will have the help of the Holy Spirit. This means that when we experience suffering for Jesus, the comfort and presence of God is upon our lives in a very unique way. Therefore, Christian suffering is not evidence of God's absence, but of God's presence, strengthening our lives as we endure well. In the end, we realize that our afflictions and our suffering can lead to earthly good. For in the same passage, Jesus says his disciples who face hardship in the world at the same time will be salt and light. For our suffering for the name of Jesus is a great witness to those who are living in the world. As we close, I want to share a true story with you, one of a bishop who endured through a great suffering as a prisoner in World War II. In 1943, Bishop John Leonard Wilson was held captive by the Japanese in Singapore, and he was taken to a local prison, and he endured days and months of torture. Bound to a table, he was beaten with knotted ropes by prison guards multiple times. In the middle of his torture, they asked him, do you still believe in God? And he replied, he said, God does not save me by freeing me from pain or punishment but he saves me by giving me the spirit to bear it. Remarkably, his courage to endure suffering for Christ impressed the people in the prison, the non-believers, so much so that one of them actually desired to become Christian. And the bishop actually baptized uh, this man in his cell with the water that was in the cell. After suffering eight months of his torture, Bishop Wilson was released from prison. And years later, he returned to Singapore to continue his ministry calling. As he was ministering in the church there, he was administering baptism and confirming new believers. And guess what he noticed? He noticed that some of the new believers were some of the very prisoners he was detained with. Not only that, but he also noticed that one of the new baptized was a military guard who had beaten and tortured him. This once torturer knelt before the bishop and received the laying of hands and his prayer. And after service the bishop and the newly converted Christian walked together in the gardens nearby, and in their conversation the newly converted believer said to the bishop, every time I tortured you, you pray that I might be forgiven. At first this made me angry, but then it made me curious and eventually it brought me to Jesus. This story is a powerful reminder of what the kingdom of God is like. It is a call to love your enemies. It is a call to rejoice in persecution. It's a call to be salt and light to a world that desperately needs a Savior. So let us be kingdom-minded disciples, counting the cost to know Christ and His suffering. I hope this podcast finds you well and is a blessing for your Christian walk. And until next time, may his grace strengthen you in each step and may your life be for his glory.